Situational leadership says there is no one best school of management. There is no one best style of leadership. There's nothing inherently good about empowering people. If you empower somebody that's not motivated, they're not confident, they're not able, you are a disaster. Empowerment only works with people who are motivated, able, and confident. If you're motivated, able, and confident, empower people. If they're not, don't. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Selling in Asia podcast. I am thrilled to have with us today the, the executive leadership coach of the world, the number one guy, Marshall Goldsmith. I had the pleasure of sharing the stage with Marshall a couple years back in Dubai, and it's just a pleasure to have him here, and we can share the screen on the Selling in Asia podcast. Marshall, great to see you again. We have a brand new Management Mastery course out now, which covers how to manage and lead teams in today's environment. You can sign up to join the course at the link in the show notes at sellinginasiapodcast.com. Very good to see you. Thank you for inviting me. Hey, it's my pleasure. So look, our audience right now, we've got sales professionals, some business owners and sales leaders. They are, they are hungry right now for, for tips. And of course, as you know, the world is crazy, Marshall, and people are struggling. So what do we need to do, first of all, never mind managing other people and leading others? <laughs> How do we lead ourselves? Right. Well, we're going to start with that. And I'm going to share a concept called pragmatic optimism. And very important to do two things at once. One, you want to be positive and optimistic. On the other hand, this is not the time for motivational speeches. People want to see authenticity. It's very tough out there. Small businesses are getting killed around the world. And people want to know the truth. So you need to balance this sense of authenticity and reality, pragmatism, with optimism. How can we make the best of it? And I think a good place to start, is, especially in Asia, is uh, the world's most famous poem. The world's most famous poem is the Bhagavad Gita. And in the Bhagavad Gita, they talk about a way of looking at life that I think is very helpful today. What it says in the Gita is you have the protagonist, the, the general, uh, Arjuna, and then the charioteer, who was really Krishna. And they're having a dialogue about life, and Arjuna is very upset. He says, oh, I have to do this, it's bad, I have to do this, it's worth it. The two choices, bad and worse, what am I going to do? And Christian is very wise, and he says, number one, it is what it is, pragmatism. It is what it is. You face the reality that's there. You don't waste your time on, I wish I would have, or I wish it hadn't been here, or it's not fair, all that nonsense. What is this? Then number two, you have a strategy. You come up with a very clear plan. Then number three is you do your best. And you do not get fixated on outcomes because when you get fixated on outcomes, you lose what you're doing. You lose the process of what you're doing. Uh, sometimes leaders are going to have to make very hard decisions today, very tough decisions. And my friend, Harry Kramer, he was CEO of Baxter and asked a tough question. He said, you had to make hard decisions in your life. How did you sleep at night? You know, sometimes you have to lay people off or fire people. It's hard times. How do you sleep? And he said, two questions to ask. One, Am I doing what I thought was right? That's all you can do is what you think is right. And two, did I do my best? If the answer is yes and yes, make peace. So learning number one is accept what is. Block out the past. Don't get fixated on the outcomes that you can't control. Focus on what you can control. Have a strategy. Do your best. And then I'll give you a parable. A great parable for today is the parable of the golfer and a beer cat. 
So the golfer is playing in the country club championship. Marshall, the, blue, the final hole. My favorite things. <laughs> uh, final hole hits the ball. People in front of him are now noisy, drinking beer, causing problems. It's a beautiful drive right down the left. Something happens. It, it takes a terrible bounce and goes off into the rough, a terrible lot. What happened, he says. He walks toward the ball. He sees a beer can. The idiots in front of him have left a beer can on the fairway. His ball has hit the beer can. He's incredibly angry. Those idiots, those fools. What does a golfer need to do? Stop. Breathe. Forget about the shot. Forget about the people. Forget about the beer can. Forget about winning the tournament. You walk up to the ball and you breathe. Ah, and when you breathe, you focus on one thing. First, what's your strategy? If you're ahead, three ahead, you pitch off to the fairway and you still win. If you're one shot behind, you go for the green. You come up with your strategy, then you do one thing. You block everything out and you hit the shot in front of you. It's a great metaphor for today's sales leaders. Your people need to hit the shot in front of them. It is so easy to get distracted today, so easy to get lost. And, you know, you mentioned the six coaching questions. It's perfect time to discuss that. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I love this. And, and I think a lot of people for the last few months have, you know, with this whole COVID situation, with no travel, not being able to meet customers face to face, They've been complaining. They've been in this place of confusion and wondering what's going on. Why is it happening this way? Why is the world so difficult? And I just love what you're saying. It's about, look, it, it is what it is. Get over it. It's, it's already happened, right. right? So stop fixating on the past and right. why it is and start focusing on right now your strategy, right? What are you going to do next? And I love what you talk yeah. about, about just, just do your best. And I feel like, you know, people... They, 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 they look at other things, they look at other people, and they get distracted, and they don't focus on just doing the absolute best that, that they can do. And I think if you've done your very best, that's all that you can do. And the last point that you made about people spending so much time focusing on, on outcomes, um, you can't control the outcome. That's something that I've learned over the years, and sales leaders out there, you can't control the outcome. But there is one thing that you can control, which is your output. What are you doing, right? So I figure, hey, you focus on the output, you let the outcome take care of itself. Yeah, exactly right. And, you know, we mentioned this six-question coaching process, which is wonderful for sales leaders today. Mm. How does it work? This is, as a coach, I have a very unique billing system. I don't get paid if my clients don't get better. And better is not judged by me or them. It's judged by everyone around them. I've taught seven CEOs to do this process. I get paid seven times. So this always works. These are all CEOs that want to do a better job of clarity and alignment, better job of coaching. So this is called six-question coaching. And Tom, I'll send you a copy of the article so you can send it to your, your viewers who would like to see it or hear it. Awesome. Six-question coaching, how does, it, how does it work? So Marshall, well, let's, what let's, frame this, is, let, let's frame this first because I think you and I had a great conversation off camera, but maybe the, the listeners don't know exactly what we're launching into. So for those of you on the okay. podcast, what Marshall and I were talking about before this episode was the importance of coaching your team, 
right? And it's right. not it's 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 not rocket science, but it's 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 sort of like it's not hard, but it's not easy. And and there are six right. really great coaching questions that all of you out there as sales leaders need to be asking your team and supporting them on a regular basis. And these are six of my favorite questions. I try to use them as much as I can, Marshall. This is a great reminder for me as much as the audience. So back over to you. If you can talk us through these six questions, that would be great. And again, during periods of rapid change, your salespeople need more structure, not less. They need more structure, not less when times change. They need more communication. They need more support, not less. Now, how does this work? As a sales leader, as a small business owner, what you do is you have a regular dialogue with everyone you manage on six basic questions. And you say, you know, we're going to have a regular dialogue. I want to make sure I communicate these very clearly. Question number one is, where are we going? That's more of the bigger picture question. Where are we going as a larger organization? And then you ask the person a question, where do you think we should be going? So again, a dialogue. Here's what I think. What do you think? Question number two is, where are you going? So, Marshall, leader, let's, you say, here's where I see you and your part of the business going. So, Marshall, let's, let's, let's unpack these so that people can really, you know, get the, get the concept of it. So that first question of asking your, your sales reps, so you're a sales leader asking your team, you're saying, hey, sales rep, I want to hear from you, where do you think we're going as an organization right now? Is that right, Marshall? Question one ties into question two. Mm. Where are you going? Mm. Where, where, and I'd say, here's where I see your important priorities. Here's where I see you and your part of the business going. Then you ask, where do you think you should be going? It's important to have a dialogue for two reasons. One, you want to connect what you think as a sales leader with what they think. Your priorities need to be connected to their priorities. Number two, you want to look at the bigger picture of the organization that you lead and talk about the smaller unit that they're in charge of. And the two need to be connected. So that's why this is a dialogue. It's not a dictate. Here's what I think. What do you think? Mm. Now, so that's the first two questions. So you're trying to get Question number three is right? doing well. Alignment. The whole thing is about alignment. Question number three is doing well. I'd say, here's what I see. You and your part of the business is doing very well. And then ask a question. What do you think you're doing well? See, a very good question. They may come up with things that you as a manager never thought of. And say, you know, that's great. I didn't recognize it. Your team put in a wonderful effort. I should recognize them. So ask a question. What are you proud of? What do you think you're doing well? That's very motivational as well. Mm. Then question number four is, as you know, I'm bigger on feed forward than feedback. Right, right. Question number four is suggestions for the future. Rather than saying, let's talk about what you did wrong in the past. Say, moving forward, here's some suggestions. I think it might help things be even better in the future. And then ask the person a great coaching question. If you were the coach for you, what ideas might you have for yourself? If you were the coach for you, what ideas might you have? Now, one of my good coaching clients is George Borst. George was CEO of Toyota Financial Services. George was skeptical about this question number four, that question about if you were the coach for you, what ideas would you have? He thought people would say fluff, you know, like I work hard and I'm dedicated and all that. No, he was very surprised. He said more than half the time that their ideas were better than his ideas. And he would end up saying, look, forget my ideas. I like yours better. <laughs> so that's question number four. Question number five is a great question for the leader to ask, how can I help? How can I help you? And then question six, I want to do better too. Moving forward, what ideas and suggestions do you have for me? Six basic questions. One, 
where are we going? Two, where are you going? Three, doing well. Four, suggestions for the future. Five, how can I help? And six, what suggestions do you have for me? And Tom, I'll send you an article about this that you can share with your, with your uh, colleagues. Now, here's the key to make this work, though. Mm. The key to make this work is called mutual responsibility. Mutual responsibility. You see, too much of engagement and leadership is taught as if it's all about the leader with no responsibility to the people being led. I don't believe that. I'm a great believer in the concept of mutual responsibility. And let's imagine, Tom, that I'm your sales manager. Hmm. I would say, Tom, I'm going to go through these six basic questions with you on an as-needed basis. And one thing I want to assure you during times of rapid change, these may change. Where are we going today? I'm going to give you an answer that six months from today, I can't say it's going to be the same. Right. I'm not sure I can say six weeks from today it's going to be the same. There's a lot of change out there. On the other hand, at any one second in time, I want you to have total clarity as to these questions. I want you to have clarity. Now, if at any time you feel overcommitted, confused, ambiguity, you're not sure, I want you, Tom, to take the responsibility to talk to me. Because if I do my job on a regular basis and you assume responsibility as well, there's no reason we'd have any alignment problem. And back to my analogy of the golfer, Hmm. at any second in time, the salesperson needs to hit the ball in front of them. They need to be able to block out the past. They need to have that clarity, have the strategy, hit the ball in front of them and block out all that other stuff. Don't worry about winning the Super Bowl here. Just hit the ball in front of you, hit the ball in front of you, because in life, that's all we can ever do. It's all in life we could ever do. And you meant, you know, you mentioned you played golf before. Uh, how, what well. does it do to your score if you're thinking, you know, well, but if you're thinking about, you're angry about the previous shot, what happens to your score? Of course. Yeah. You've just got to be mindful and just yeah, be you're, in the here you're, and now. You're fixated on winning the tournament. What happens to your score? Right. You have to hit the shot. The salesperson has to hit the shot. They talk to the client. They're there. They're present at that moment. Yeah, you got to hit the moment. shot. You got to pick so up I the think, phone. You got to drop the email. You got to send that message. You got to do that demo. You've got to be there in that moment. I tell it. people they've got to brush it. it off. You know, and, if you just had a bad sales call or you just lost a deal. You can't bring that baggage with you into your next sales meeting. <laughs> You've got to leave it there yeah. and just be fully present, got, ready to rock. That's it. You're, you're sitting there shooting a free throw with a chance to win the championship. You don't think about the championship. Mm. You don't think about the score. What do you think about? Hit the shot. That's Hit right. the shot. So I've got That's an, all important, you do. Yeah, so I've got an important question here, Marshall, that I'm sure a lot of sales leaders are, are wondering, especially in this part of the world in Asia. You know, we find that a lot of reps are not that proactive. Some of them aren't that hungry. Some of them don't take personal re- responsibility or accountability. And they find it less risky to just sit back and let the boss dictate everything. It's quite common here. So what advice would you have to some sales leaders that are trying to empower their teams to have this sense of mutual responsibility, but they're finding that it's kind of just a one-way street? Well, I'm a great believer in situational leadership. And uh, Paul Hersey and Ken Blanchard developed situational leadership. As a young man, they were both teachers of mine. I've taught that to thousands of people when I was young. 
Situational leadership says there is no one best school of management. There is no one best style of leadership. There's nothing inherently good about empowering people. If you empower somebody that's not motivated, they're not confident, they're not able, you are a disaster. Empowerment only works with people who are motivated, able, and confident. If you're motivated, able, and confident, empower people. If they're not, don't. That's right. pretty simple. So people get lost in this empowerment is good. No, it's not. It's empowerment is not inherently good. Empowerment only works with the right people. So in situational leadership, there are four styles of leadership. One is called direction, directing, could be coaching, could be supporting, and it could be empowering or delegating. And the idea of situational leadership is even the best salespeople may need direction for part of their job. Many great salespeople are no good at the administrative part of their job. Well, you have to give them a lot of direction to get the reports in on time. Doesn't mean they're bad people. It just means they need help in this part of their job. Uh, sometimes you're in a coaching mode. Well, coaching, coaching only works if two conditions exist. Coaching is great if people want to learn. Mm. Coaching is great if people need to learn. If they don't want to learn, coaching's a waste of time. If they don't need to learn, coaching's a waste of time. It only works if people want to learn and need to learn. Supporting is a great style for people who need to build their confidence. Yet, if they already have confidence and they're motivated and able, delegate. So delegating can be effective. So to me, what you're talking about is sometimes people, especially early in their career, need a lot less direction. They need more direction. And by the way, as a leader, you have to be able to make a hard decision. You need to get rid of people. Look, if they don't want to work, this is a bad environment, especially in a small business. I mean, right now, there's not thousands of jobs out there for small business people. That's right. They don't want to work. Fine. Goodbye. <laughs> Find somebody that does. Right. There's lots of people looking for work right now, right? There's a there's lot lots of, of people, people looking for work. And a lot of salespeople looking for work. So way, sales leaders, this is the time to be right. Pay. You can be picky. Some, somebody has a bad attitude. Goodbye, goodbye. Next, next, next. I Look, as a Marshall. coach, I don't get paid. I don't get paid if my clients don't get better. So I, I have to have great clients. The secret of my success is I have great motivated clients. That's it. So very important point. This applies in all elements of life. Only try to coach people that want and lead, need to learn. Uh, have you ever tried to coach a boyfriend, girlfriend, significant other partner that had no interest in changing? How'd that work out? I'm still working on it. <laughs> How about coaching mommy and daddy who have no interest in changing? You ever tried that one before? Oh, yeah. That, that's, that's working real great. Oh, yeah. No, no. Oh, I, I asked this one class. I said, have you ever tried to coach mommy and daddy that had no interest in coaching? One moment. No interest in changing. Yeah. I said, how does it work? Uh, no yeah. good. No, that's said, great, Marshall. Honestly, I, I, gave, I gave up on that years ago because you, you really can't change other people. You can only change yourself and how you respond to a situation. Yeah, th this woman said, I said, are you coaching mommy or daddy? She said, daddy. I said, what's his problem? She said, he doesn't have a healthy lifestyle. So I said, how old is he? She said, 94. <laughs> I don't know, leave 94. Me. I think it's all right. Leave, leave the old boy alone. You want to smoke a cigar? Smoke too. Who cares? He's ninety-four. <laughs> don't I, waste. I would say it's working out pretty well for him. <laughs> hey, don't waste your time with people that don't care. That's right. Oh, that's yeah, great. Put your time in with people that do care. So great. I love this. This is really, really useful. You know, so I think for all leaders out there, go through these six questions. So you say from time to time as as needed. What's what's a what's a a good gauge, Marshall? When do you feel people leaders should be having these? 
coaching conversations with their team? The more rapid the change is, the more frequent the conversation is. Mm. See, if you're in a period of very stable world, then maybe once every three months is fine. If you're in a period of incredibly rapid change, though, you may need to do this once a week. Right. Because the world changes so rapidly. Right. So really, there is no set answer. It depends upon the pace of change. The more change there is, the more you have to have these dialogues. And again, my coaching, one of my clients was Jim Morton. He was the CEO of John Hancock Life Insurance Company. And he used this coaching technique that I just taught you. In four years, he went from an eight percentile on coaching to a 98, eight to 98 in four years. And he said, you know, when I use this process, I spent less time with people when I got a 98 than I did when I got an eight. Hmm. Steve Sanger, head of General Mills, went from a 10 to a 90 in one year using this process. Hmm. This always works. It's just you have to have the discipline to do it and stick with it, by the way. You have to stick with it. I, I, I find the topic of coaching just so fascinating. I mean, I've been a ICF accredited coach for years and I love coaching. I always feel like coaching picks up where training leaves off, you know, and, right. I, feel, and I feel like a lot of leaders out there, they feel like they need to, to, to tell their team what to do or even worse, do it for them. And they have a hard time sometimes kind of right. coaching them and supporting them. I totally agree. And, and the reality is you, that's called style one, directive, leadership style. You can't stay in that style. Mm. It's also very time consuming. At the end of the day, you may start with the directing style, but then you want to move toward a coaching style, then move toward a supporting style and move toward a delegating style. Oh, I like because, that. yeah, because you want to get people to the point where you don't have to hold their hand and you don't have to do the work for them. Then you have time to do something else. Like uh, grow the business. Yeah, like grow the business, right. <laughs> you know, small things like that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I love this. You know, there's a couple of other questions that I really like that, that, that I use on a regular basis. And I want to check in with you, Marshall, because you're the man. I want to check in with you, make sure that I'm on the right track with these coaching questions. You know, okay. on a regular basis, at least every week when I'm, you know, having a, a, a larger, you know, team meeting, I always ask the team these two questions. Number one, do you know exactly what your objectives are? Are you yeah. clear about your goals? Are you clear about yeah. your priorities? Do you know what you need to do? Yeah. That's my first question. My second question is, do you have all the resources, tools that you need in order to accomplish those objectives? Mm -hmm. If you do, rock and roll, have at it, go for it, let's, let's, let's kick butt. If the answer is no to that question, it's your responsibility to ask me for what you need. Right. Am I on the right track here, Marshall? I'd say mostly yes. Let me give you the one qualifier. Mostly. Okay, good. <laughs> Don't let people use that as an excuse. To use what sometimes excuse? I need more resources. Sometimes you know what you're going to say? This is all the resources there is. This is it. And so I've given you as much as you can get. It's up to you. And if you cannot do it with this amount of resources, I'm going to have to find somebody else. Mm. So I like, I love the qualifier, Marshall. So it's like, do you know what you need to do? Okay. 
do you have all the resources you need to do it? Now, when I ask the team that, the answer is always yes. So it's like, okay, great. Well, then let's produce, let's deliver. Right. Now, what I love about that qualifier that I haven't thought about is that's that scapegoating or that possibility to use that as an excuse and say, well, I don't have all the resources. Well, then I would right. invite them to share what resources do you need? And let's move away from resources to your resourcefulness. Can we do that? Yeah. Yeah, and again, maybe you can help them with the resources and right. maybe not. Right. That's why I like that distinction because you don't want this to be a crutch. Well, you know, I would have achieved my goals, but I didn't have enough resources. It's not my fault. Right. So yeah. you want to say, what do you need? If it's available, you give them whatever they you can. If it's not, you tell them, hey, this is it. These are the constraints. Well, I wouldn't, I need blah, blah, blah. We don't have it. Right. Okay. Option so then where a, can you get it? Where can you get it? Right. That's right. From the inside. Yeah. 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 Or maybe from an external source, but, but not from the organization. You know, I tell reps right. all the time. Sometimes sales reps go, Hey boss, if only I had a nice shiny new iPad to make effective presentations, do we have right. budget for that? Well, the sales leader could say, um, that's a great idea. And no, we don't have budget. So what right. are you what are you going to do to take control of your sales presentations? That's it. Are you going to invest 500 bucks in an iPad so that you can close deals and get an even bigger commission? It's up to you. Yeah. That's it. I love you've that. You got you've got what we can give you. Yeah. And one of my one of my good buddies is David Chang. David Chang is one of the most famous restaurant guys in the world, right? And it's hard out there. Three of his restaurants are going broke. All of them may go broke. Yeah. The restaurant business is getting killed. Mm. Well, it is what it is. Back to this idea of pragmatic optimism. You have to level with people. And you can't just say, I'm going to give you money. I don't have money. Right. There's no income. There's, I've been paying you for three months with no income. I can't pay you for three years with no income. Yeah, step up. Let's go. Or it didn't work. That's right. And so, by the way, the other reality and any entrepreneur knows or any salesperson knows is sometimes you lose. Sometimes you lose. Sometimes you say, okay, this is not going to work. Let's start over. Let's go do something else. Yeah, you don't always win. Yeah. yeah. Any salesperson has a hundred percent track record of success. Didn't ask for enough orders. No, they didn't ask for enough orders or at a high enough dollar amount. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. That's okay. it. So I yeah. love that, Marshall. It just comes down to, hey, look, did, but did you try your best? That's it. And I and, feel and like by most the way, people, they, did, they didn't leave it all out there, right? They yeah. didn't try everything. And, you know, face the reality that that's why it's called risk. Mm. Risk means there is a chance you're going to fail. Yeah. And risk does not mean you're always going to succeed. Right. Otherwise, there'd I be mean, no risk. No, I mean, this business of, in my envision, it will happen is all BS. It's just mm -hmm. nonsense. Right. No, no, you, you can envision all you want to. you got to produce results. Yep. you got to produce results. You have to take responsibility and you have to work. Yeah. You have to work. And, and there's very little substitute for hard work. I'm hearing three hours here, Marshall. There's risk, responsibility, and results. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This That's has been it. really, really helpful. Maybe it, can we 
put, wrap this all together, Marshall, in a, in a nice, neat little bow. I mean, what what is something that you would want to leave a message, a call to action that you would want to leave for, 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 for business owners and sales leaders just to help them become more effective in their roles, managing and leading their staff, especially now during these challenging, always changing times? Well, I would finish by talking about being a human being, not just in their role as a sales leader. So I like my final advice is always the same for everyone. And that's to take a breath. <sighs> Imagine you're 95 years old, you're going to die. Here comes your last breath. But right before you take that breath, you're given a great gift, the ability to go back in time and talk to the person that's listening to me right now. What advice would the wise 95-year-old you who knows what mattered in life and what didn't and what counted and what didn't, mm. what advice would that person have for you that's listening to me right now? Well, you don't have to say anything or do anything. Answer that in your mind. And whatever the answer to that question is, do that. In terms of performance appraisal, that's the only one that's going to matter. Mm. Um, that old person says, you did the right thing you did. That person says, you did the wrong thing you did. And... So friends of mine interviewed old folks who were dying, got to ask this question. Three themes come up. Theme number one, on the personal side, three words. Be happy now. Not next week, not next month, not next year. The great Western disease, I'll be happy when. When I make my quota, when I get the BMW, when, when, when. We all have the same when. You know, learn to be happy now. Number two is friends and family. Don't get so busy climbing the corporate ladder, you forget the people that love you. And number three, if you have a dream, go for it. And that's something that many of your listeners are good at, the entrepreneurs, the small business people. They are going for it. And you know what? Even if you fail, you tried. Business advice isn't much different. Life is short. Have fun. And by the way, if your clients see you as being miserable, what happens to your odds on selling anything? <clears throat> right? No, you got to have fun out there. you got to communicate this sense of, I love what I'm doing. I love what I'm doing. They need to feel that. Number two is do whatever you can do to help people, including your clients. You really, at the end of the day, want to help people feel like their life is better because they met me. Mm. And then the final one is also, you know, go for it. You know, all the old people that when we never regret the risks we take and fail, we always regret the risks we fail to take. And finally, for me, as I've grown older, my level of aspiration in life has gone down and down and down. My level of impact has gone up and up and up. Why? I quit worrying about what I'm not going to change. So, Tom, let's put it real simple. For everyone listening to this uh, little session, I have one goal. I'd like you to think about our time and say, my one goal is to help you have a little better life. So pick something in what I've said that might help you have just a little better life. And if one person who's listening or two, they say, yeah, that helped me, then this is a good call for me. Marshall, thank you very much. Words of wisdom. This has been really helpful. And to all of you listening right now, please take this advice, heed it, be happy, focus on friends and family, and go for it. This has been another episode of the Selling in Asia podcast. I'm Tom, and it's been great having Marshall Goldsmith with us. Thank you so much. Have a great day, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 